0: Right club be the right club today. Yes. I mean that's better
1: than most. How about him? That is better than most.
0: Better than most. Expect anything different?
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here, all virtual. TC is in the kill house. Hello Tron. Hello. DJ Pie, back, I'm back it, in action, guys. Ban me, I'm back. We're gonna probably be banning you by the end of this episode. DJ Pie is here. Hello, how are you guys? Doing great. The uh, the Beluga Neil Schuster is here.
3: Truly beached up in the Midwest, the whales inland, and he likes
2: his picks this week. Happy to be here. Big Randy's going to be joining to make his picks uh, and, of course, pay off some debts that are starting to become way overdue. Uh, before we Ray, do get rolling Randy here.
3: defaulted
1: at this point. Big yeah.
3: time. Three pouches in a row, baby. Count them. Three. It's
1: been glorious. It, not it's going to be. I know I've brought it up before. It's going to be. I, every time you bring up the beluga, quick snap cut to that YouTube video where they blow up the whale and, and everything's <laughs> raining down at everybody.
2: That might be Randy here shortly. Before we do get going, you're gonna see you're gonna see some shorts out there on the West Coast. I think this week, only in the practice rounds, of course. That would that can never happen in a professional golf tournament. Travis Matthew has the perfect short for you. It's called the Beck. They would like us to clarify our stance on Beck. The I believe Randy said Beck the band sucks last time. We'd like Correct. to clarify we're not referring. To the Travis Matthew short. It's a made of a fabric brand that looks, feels, and performs better than the average short, no matter the activity. The Beck delivers a perfect blend of comfort and performance. And right now, listeners can use code NLU20 on TravisMatthew.com to get 20% off your first purchase. Uh, the shorts have enhanced stretch, so the Beck moves with you, allowing for unrestricted movement from the couch to the course. So whether it's an awkward stance in the bunker or if you went, Uh, A little too hard on Taco Tuesday, you've got some freedom. The Beck comes in five colors, including the best-selling light gray. It's clean, modern fit that looks as good as it feels. It'll become your staple short uh, for golf, barbecue, or a night out. Anytime, anywhere, the Beck by Travis Matthew is always the right choice. So Visit TravisMatthew.com today to order the perfect short and use code NLU20 to get 20% off your first purchase. That's NLU20 at TravisMatthew.com to order the Beck.
1: For further think, clarification, right? also, I, I think I may have said Beck is a Scientologist. Apparently, that's outdated information as well. Okay. So I would also
3: say it's a home game for Travis Matthew this week. Total home game. You know, hmm. the, the models are are off the charts. Should see a lot of TM gear out there.
1: And Beck, the singer from Southern California as well. But that's the last. going to be the last <laughs> mention.
2: <laughs> DJs, let's start positive. What, what are you excited about this week, U.S. Open week?
1: Man, a lot of things. I'll I'll take uh, the easy one I guess going first and I'll say uh, West Coast U.S. Open. I mean West Coast major championship is pretty much undefeated. Uh, I think everybody enjoys settling into the couch, watching golf a little bit later. You got plenty of time to grill out. You got plenty of time to do all sorts of things. Uh, so yeah, I mean at, golf on the West Coast is is fantastic. Even better when it's a major. Even better when it's a U.S. Open. So I'm uh, I'm very excited to
2: just be a uh, A really
1: happy golf fan this
2: week. And Torrey does, you know, it has some, you know, faults, but it does have scenery. There is a nice element to a pleasant element to watching golf at Torrey. Neil, what's got you excited this week?
3: You know, a couple things for me, I would say, first off is I'm going to OD on the motorized parasailing visuals that, uh, you know, we're going to get on the telecast. So the
1: guy's just zooming around up there. I don't know if they're motorized. They're motorized in Jack's Beach because there's no thermals. But these guys are riding the thermals. There's no motors. They they don't have
3: motors on them? No, it's all hang
1: gliding, baby. All hang gliding. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited. I feel like it's a course a
3: lot of guys have a lot of history on. I'm hoping, even though the venue isn't the most exciting, we get a showdown. I want to see a duel on the weekend. Some guys that are really comfy on this course, battling it out for a U.S. Open championship. And I'm also extremely excited to watch Xander's dad on Father's Day. Uh, when Xander raises the trophy and just the you know the father son relationship there, just t- seeing that go to the next level after
2: a major championship. Wow, I think I heard a pick in there. TC, what's have. got you? What's got you excited?
4: Somewhat the same stuff as Neil. You know, it's there's definitely horses for courses. I think it's about time for uh, for Rom to shit or get off the pot. Maybe Xander as well. Uh, I'd like to see either of them win. I think the rib could be a dangerous pick this week. Yeah, I mean, I want to see the Bryson Brooks thing. I'm you know what? I'm, I'm I'm am I shallow? Am I uh am I a new age golf fan? You know what? Maybe. Maybe I've gone soft, but I'm I'm excited to to just see that that keep bubbling up to the surface.
2: I would say a combination of a lot of what you guys said. I think you know, while Torrey is not a great venue, I don't think it's you know, we see it every year and it's not exciting. And now we're seeing it for a major championship. That's definitely not exciting. However, that does not mean we're not going to get a great tournament and not get uh, some excitement. I think it's going to be a little, you know, kind of what I don't know. We'll talk a little bit of setup here stuff here in a second in terms of what kind of style of play it's going to reward. I think it is going to play a little bit different than what we're used to seeing uh, in January slash February. Whenever this uh, tournament is every year, we're going to see a lot of it because there is a lot of television coverage this week, Thursday, Thursday. Uh, we're going to start on the cock peacock from nine 45 to 1230 and stop the cock and then 1230 to seven on golf channel. And then moving from seven to 10 Eastern on NBC, uh, Friday is very similar, except it moves, uh, you know, from 1230 to six Eastern on golf channel, then six to nine real nice window there on Friday night on NBC, Saturday, 11 to nine on NBC. That's the only day you don't have to change the channel. Uh, and then Sunday, ten to twelve Eastern on Golf Channel, and then twelve to eight Eastern on NBC. Is it fair? Is anybody at least a little disappointed that coverage is is wrapping up a little bit early, five p.m. local time on, on Sunday? I know they got to leave a little time for the playoff, but that it's kind of a little bummer, right? We got uh, Olympic trials.
1: Yeah, right? this is you know we we can rehash a lot of the U.S. Women's Open stuff. It's it's basically two seasons worth of shit condensed into, into one year, right? They gotta, they gotta make some adjustments. It sucks, of course, but you get why, you know, what does NBC spend about a billion dollars on the Olympics? I guess I, I get why they got to
2: give that some run. Well, and again, I'd like to, uh, just throw a shout out to Fox for signing this awful television deal that they had to get out of and sell for 30 (laughs) cents on the dollar, because that's why we're going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of coverage, you know, but I will say I miss. You know, I'll say it every year. Probably, uh, we're going to miss them. I have not heard any new bells and whistles, innovations, or anything that NBC plans to bring to this telecast. I get, on I the
4: contrary, of- I heard the I heard that NBC has the full compliment and Tommy Roy's pumped for this year. Uh, versus, I guess on the on the the call on the broadcast call the other day, I guess they were a little hamstrung last year, but he's uh, they're back netted up to. You know, full complement of features and cameras and everything like that,
2: which I think is going to look pretty similar to what we see on the PGA Tour week to week. Is my issue, right? Fox would come in every year and just like throw a twelve to six curveball, just buckle everybody's knees and do something different, some kind of innovation every year. And I, I worry it's going to feel a little bit like watching a tour event. But look, we'll we'll see. Brown suit that one year, that was that's right.
4: That was the biggest curveball.
2: They lost the suit. Get the USGA lost the suit. Well, let's get into t- a little bit of Tory. I know we probably spend the beginning of every farmer's insurance recap pod talking about, you know, I feel like there's a new crop of people that come in every year that, you know, maybe are new to the podcast and just say like, well, I don't get it. Why don't you like about Tory? It's beautiful. It's a municipal course. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. TC, tell us what, what uh I, you don't have to tell people what to think. Tell me what you think though about Tory Pines and the way it plays for professionals.
4: Yeah. And maybe this is morphed into some, hipster thing because it's like a trendy thing but i don't know it's just not a the, the i guess they, they've moved a couple of the fairways closer to the cliffs but for such a spectacular piece of land that plays you know along and over and through so many different little canyons mm-hmm. and features like it feels like firestone on the pacific ocean <laughs> to me which you know like we played sandpiper a few years ago up the coast in in santa barbara it's kind of the same thing. It's like, it's just this kind of just flat, unimaginative. It doesn't really have any soul or like there's no, there's nothing cool on the ground, right? You've got the views and you've got, but in, in, they've spent an ungodly amount of money fixing the irrigation, fixing some of the, like, I guess the turf conditions are a lot better this year versus 08. But it like, it just seems like it's throwing good money after bad. And, and I get the, I get the lovable elements of, you know, the paragliders and the fact that local San Diego residents can pay 75 bucks and play it. But like, it just doesn't stir anything within me. I think, Um, you know, and it, I also get frustrated when I look at picks or I look at a field and I think there's 20% of the field can win this versus a lot of tournaments, 60, 70% of the field can win this. And, you know, maybe that yields better, better finishes or better leaderboards here and here and there because the big names do rise to the top but in a certain sense that feels almost a little bit it just doesn't feel as natural or doesn't feel as organic like
2: that it feels weird to not have the mystery of a golf course for a major you know I mean I mean obviously Augusta same one every year but there's always like Kiwa. I mean it played like this nine years ago I don't know it kind of may fit this but like something you see every year and then just kind of tweaked a little bit and playing a little different, a different time of year it just doesn't have the same kind of excitement, especially when it's not one of the great stops on the PJ Tour.
1: I, I did think pebble had a little bit of that a couple of years ago. It, it, it was fun to see the difference between, okay, it plays how it plays in February and how it played, you know, in June. But I, I'm with you. Torrey Pines is not pebble. I think for me, Torrey Pines, a lot of it is, uh, I don't know if it's repetition or I don't know if it's kind of lack of imagination, but it, it is, you know, haven't been there a couple of times. It's, one of the coolest places in the world to walk around. Like it would be one of the most unbelievable public parks in the world. But as a golf course, like it's kind of just the same thing over and over. There's, there's a couple holes that, that use the, uh you know, use the coastline, but the rest of it is kind of your, you feel like you're playing golf. uh It could be a hundred yards from the coastline. It could be two miles from the coastline. Like there's, there's nothing in between you and the coast, but it also, you feel weirdly disconnected from it, if that makes sense. And, Thinking back on uh, you know, I don't know how golf courses are routed or how these decisions get made or any of that stuff. But, you know, think about when we were at a place like Sheep Ranch uh this this past year for tourist sauce. And there's there's holes going at the coast, there's holes going along the coast, there's holes going away from the coast, there's whole like the coast is not is a factor like 13 different ways, 13 different times. And at Torrey Pines, you get there and it's like, man, number three, like what a beautiful shot down to the coast. Man, number four unbelievable man right on right on the cliff i i can't tell you anything about any other hole i know 18 has a pond left of it but uh yeah, I don't know. Don't hit it in the rough. That's that's pretty much like I have been there and I've walked all the holes a number of times and like that's that's kind of all I can tell you about it. So like maybe that's that, a me problem, but it seems like a lot of other people have that problem too.
4: People say that about Pebble sometimes where they say, "Hey, if you dropped this, you know, if it wasn't next to the Pacific, but but it is next to the Pacific and it but it utilizes that coastline, right?" Yeah. It, it, P- people uh, say that or you uh, say that? I say that. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> But you know, but like
1: I'm, I'm giving Pebble a compliment. I know that's why I'm (laughs) so shocked. I'm just, I I heard the boomerang whizzing by my ear there. (laughs) Uh, But But I love to hear it. Sorry, I I welcome it. I welcome it.
4: Yeah, and then I don't know, like, like just all the money that they've poured in. They spent what twenty million dollars here recently redoing it. They spent an uh, inordinate amount of money before the last U.S. Open redoing it with Reese Jones, and uh, I feel like the the greens are just like, there's just nothing interesting about the greens and it's, <laughs> There's nothing right.
2: interesting about the tee to green test either. It's kind of the same test for 18 holes. It's not testing a variety of skills. Even going back to Olympic Club, and I had issues with setup at Olympic Club, but like it was ball below your feet lie. Can you draw one against this slope and use this? Can you hold a green? You know, go into an elevated green. Can you hit this downhill shot? Can you, you know, hit this shot out of the rough and hold this green over that bunker and that kind of stuff? And it is none of that. Like there's just no creativity. There's no. There's unique? not even dog legs. No, <laughs> there's not even like memorable golf shots out there. Like That's it's, what
1: I'm saying. Un- unbelievable place to play frisbee. Sure, Un- unbelievable. But, the, you know, the only variety thing, of
2: golf holes, not so much.
3: I agree with pretty much everything I'm hearing. The one thing that hurts too this year is that it's going to be a thick rough fest again, similar to Wingfoot, which is a little bit. I'd like to see. You know, I know you guys are talking about it after the um, with Randy after the Women's Open. How they get a little bit of a diversity to like, yeah, that there's a place for that like bomb it long and hack it out of the rough type of open. I just wish maybe this year we had more of an Aaron Hills or, or something that had a different look or ch- even Chambers Bay. Like you got a little bit of a a mix up. But Wingfoot last year, I feel like it's gonna be that a little bit on repeat.
4: Or if you do that, like go all in on that. Like I saw a picture of Ben Hogan. At Olympic, from oh my god, and the rough is like up above his knees, and like looks like he was gonna get pick up ticks. If they want to do that every five years or so, like once every five years, and just make it at completely impossible, like that's sick. But like, just doing this kind of boring, like you know, yeah, the roughs gonna be thick as shit, and like it, it just doesn't, it's just not interesting golf. Right, no, that's it,
2: why like you you can have a good leaderboard, and it probably will be one and it probably will be close and probably be exciting. And yet the golf that gets you there can still be really boring. And that's what I'm afraid of, honestly, going into this week. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see how that's going to be wrong because we've seen Torrey a lot of times and it's always plays that way. Balls will, it's Greens are going to be a little more firm. Balls will roll through them, but they'll stop right there in the rough that's grown up right next to the greens, the rough that sits between the bunkers and the green and the very circular greens that, just don't inspire a lot. So well, we'll see a lot of those little choppy chip shots out of the.
3: You know, <laughs> so much that fun to see, watch. Yeah, on repeat. At, just at Pebble that you know, we saw I was like, oh man, like it just makes me anxious to watch that.
1: I think what what kind of, uh, yeah, it's tough. It's an unfair comparison, I know, because Augusta is Augusta and Tory Pines is Tory Pines. But think about all the different shots you can remember from from Augusta National on on all the different holes from all the different years. And outside of you know Tiger Woods 2008 uh, U.S. Open, like we see Torrey Pines every year, name a couple like memorable shots that weren't on the 18th hole. You know, I can I can remember Rom's eagle putt on 18. I, I I remember a couple wedges that came. You know, Kyle Kyle, Kyle Stanley. Stanley that that overspun a wedge into 18. But like other than that, man, I mean, I watch it every year, and I'm I just don't remember any of it
2: on anything. You know, yeah. and it, I think that is a is an Patrick,
1: oversimplification. But that
2: Patrick Reed had the great chip shot left of ten this year. I don't know if you remember right. that happened, but that was really uh, good.
1: that's right. People people will remember that one, I'm sure. But you know what I mean? Like that that's a, an oversimplification, but it's kind of a good litmus test. I feel like for remembering the memorability is even just just so vanilla, right? It's just you know they they all look the same.
4: They all look like any any public course you played that was built between. 1970 and 2010 that you know reese jones had a had a hand in like it's the exact same look just plopped down on this spectacular you know kind of t- like table so- top cliff side and i know the coastal commission would never let them move some of these holes closer to the cliff or whatever but man it just feels like such a waste
2: Well, let's get into some of the storylines here. And I'm well aware that we're recording this on Monday evening. And by the time this is published, I would have to imagine, because this happens to us every time we talk about the number one storyline, the news will be out on what the pairings will be. Brooks and Bryson, a lot of anticipation as to whether or not it's going to happen. Joe Klein 41 asked, as much as we'd all love to see it, is it really fair to Brooks and Bryson to pair them together at this point? We all know they'd be doing it. And, uh, they, and crowds would be insane. I can't believe I'm asking if, if something is fair to Bryson. So, <laughs> one, should they pair them together? I think it's a rather easy question, but let's let's go ahead and address that. And I'm sure people will, as you're listening to it, you already know whether or not they're going to be paired. I don't think they'll do it. But what do you guys think?
3: Hell yeah, it's fair. They they this, crea- they created this monster first buckets. Yeah, they they they're dying for this attention.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with Joe. I'm I'm like. I guess I'm stuck between like, do I want to watch it? Yes. Do I think it's like totally the right thing to do in the spirit of hosting the most fair competition ever? Like, I don't really know. And then you get to like, okay, well, which one of those two things should matter more? Right. And if, if the answer is like the entertainment product, then yeah, hell yeah. Put them together. You know, if the USGA feels the answer is the latter, then I guess I would understand why they don't do it. So that's, that's a total cop-out answer but does that does that make sense is that yeah off base
2: i think it does i think that i honestly think that it's less of a big deal if everybody yells come on brooksy at bryson if they're in the same group i think it's super annoying if they're not paired together but it's kind of just like a bryson can treat it like a true away game situation and you know they're, they're cheering for the guy right next to you and not for you he has a chance to take it personally and go out there and go win another u.s open so I do not think it's unfair in any way. I do think I still am in the, in the camp that Brooks riling up people to, to yell stuff is just lame and, and kind of like outsourcing your fight. Uh, but I and it kind of threw a little cold water on their back and forth for my sake, just from my entertainment standpoint. But absolutely, they should. They probably won't. Uh, I have a feeling that the 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 it getting pushed a little bit two weeks ago at the memorial would be what causes them to not do it. If they don't do it, that would be why, and I don't think they'll do it. So, unfortunately, I think we're going to lose out there.
3: You need to give Bryson a chance to stand up to the bully, though. You know, that's. I think the USJ would be doing him a favor. Allow I'm not afraid face, anymore. Yeah, I'm not afraid. Let
1: me let him face his demons a little bit. Can uh, we just do this one heads up? I mean, I know I know DraftKings will have this this week, but the boosted Brooks- it already. Yeah, they already did. It is boosted. I, I am in Illinois, by the way, so I'm I'm gonna, you know, Ooh, be, boy. Be drop dropping bets like crazy, I'm sure. So I'm very interested in all the boosts. Uh Bryson Brooks, the, the heads up match, who who are you taking? I think they have uh Bryson as a slight underdog right now.
2: Uh it, you're gonna see my picks here later as to why, but I I'm gonna go with Bryson. I think that one, I, I kicked myself for not taking them at Wingfoot last year with how that played into a bomber's paradise and everything is standing up, you know, looking to be the exact same longer hitters have always favored well here and there's going to be thick rough. So why not? Why not believe Bryson won't do it or will do it. Won't do it. I think Bryson's going to win. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, I would take Bryson too. I mean, trauma's reading off Brooks's results this year. I mean, it's, it's like miss cut, miss cut second win miss cut, miss cut, miss cut second miscut second so it's just hard to i don't know it's hard to like bet on that like inconsistency
2: but i'm not this is the first also the first major where i'm not falling into the kepka trap and forgetting about picking him because I, I do <laughs> yeah, it every week I, I know that's every I'm time and i'm just finally gonna do it like I, I i so i don't have to kick myself either i think so. brooks
4: i got brooks they like not to win but i got brooks to beat uh bryson
2: I,
1: I got I took Bryson uh same reasons as you Sally. I mean it's just I mean Brooks is coming off a miscut and Bryson's you know been Mr. like thick rough equals trophies. So Mr.
3: thick boy plus thick rough equals <laughs> yeah, trophies. exactly. Exactly.
1: Plus,
2: equals well, thick trophies. It's John Rom is the favorite. Should he should he be the favorite?
1: I think so. I think in like we we kind of talked about this. I don't know if this was going to the PGA or what, but there's there's so many uh, there's so many thoroughbreds right now. It doesn't feel it feels like there's a lot of parody and a lot of thoroughbreds, if that makes sense. Like nobody has really stood out as you know, I think parody amongst the thoroughbreds. Yeah, I think that uh yes, that's what I was trying to say. I, I think that you know it stood out when we were kind of trying to say, like, is Spieth the best player in the world right now? And a question that would sound fairly ridiculous for a guy who's only won the Valero Texas Open in the last, what, two and a half, three years, uh, actually sounds kind of realistic because nobody's really totally separated themselves. And Rom has been wildly consistent. You know, basically, he's he's coming off a victory, of course, at the Memorial. And uh, has had a monstrosity of a record here. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. I agree.
3: Yeah. Neil, I would, I would say there's a lot of pressure, though, like he just had a lot swirling around him. So I wonder if that I don't know if that that doesn't seem to factor into the models though. You he's know, probably been
4: watching Netflix for the last like ten days though. That's I was yeah, say. He seems
1: like a guy that would just be sitting in the room going absolutely stir crazy. He's I'm, got like, God it. mode now too. <laughs> exactly. He yeah. could it takes, be maybe it maybe it takes a load off his mind. It totally. Yeah. I mean he could win by fourteen this week. Who knows?
2: <laughs> so the the brandy's not here to help us with the, the actual home game models but the hometown hype seems to be very real for Xander and if i may have heard a insinuation from from a, a certain certain uh mammal or whales mammals they are right they are yes they, the a certain family. mammal in the top right corner here what uh, what are your xander thoughts
3: i just think you know I, i'm i'm worried about him going the female route and i don't want him to do that i don't want him to fall with the wrong crowd and he's just got way too much game he plays well at tory i i just think I feel good about him breaking through. I think the hype is is worth it. He's just so consistently in the top 10. At some point, you know, kind of your argument with Finau, uh, Tali, like it's got like the, you know, you keep putting yourself in that position, you're going to break through at some point, and he just has all the game for it. So um, I kind of picked him and Cantlay at the beginning of the season as two of my, my horses, and Cantlay got one at the Memorial, kind of, with an asterisk. Uh, and so I think Xander's he's up next. You know, he sees he sees the other guy in the beluga stable doing well. He wants to do well for the beluga, so you know, go win one for the beluga. That's what I have to say to that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> can uh, just going down the odds sheet here, is this can Rory return from the dead at a place like Tory Pines TC?
4: I mean, I would love him to, but I, I guess and he's such a good driver of the golf ball, you would think a place like this would would suit him. I don't think it's ever really jived with his early season schedule, right? Because he, he typically plays in, in the Middle East relatively early in the season. But in this, I think it's typically against uh, – or Farmers is typically against uh, Abu Dhabi or Dubai. You, you know, so I don't think – like lack of record, I don't think is necessarily a negative against Rory. It's just more like, you know, he doesn't have as much experience on this course versus others. Um, I just can't trust him, you know? I just can't trust him. Like I like the guy, I respect the guy. I just can't trust him right now. He needs to he needs to give me a reason to trust him, and I'm kind of getting that way
3: with Dustin a little bit too. I was gonna just jump in and say that same thing. Tron is DJ can't trust him right now. Totally, the I difference feel very similar.
1: The difference though is, I mean, Dustin has has won one, you know, in the last seven years, and <laughs> Rory hasn't, and like that. That's what, Randy's deep on this yeah. block too, but like. Yeah, we probably should, or maybe this was Sally that was saying this a couple weeks ago, but, I mean, truly, nobody loves Rory more than me. Like, I mean, he's he's the best. I would pick him to win if I could see anybody win this week. But, like, yeah, we probably should treat him like a guy that hasn't won a major in seven years. You know, it It kind of
2: reset. It It should be like an OWGR thing. Like it kind of (laughs) ages, right? I mean, and Patrick Harrington's won three, and he's he's not a favorite, right? (laughs) I mean, it's it's aged out. Uh, So
3: Lowry's
4: won a major like very recently. Yeah.
2: I I will say Rory's true strokes gained at Torrey Pines in nine rounds is plus 2.46, which is fourth best of anyone in the field. And that's a slightly better than expectation for him. Um, so his his run at Torrey has been better better than most, if you will.
1: That's so. what I was going to say. Is uh, again, I, I'm probably speaking on my ass, but like, is is Tory Pines a place where you need? I don't think it's course knowledge that is why these guys play well. I think it's because they fit the mold. It fits the play, yeah. Right? It's, like it's, so that's it's always been a place Tory, where I don't, yeah. I'm not worried about him not having played there. Like I, I think the you know everything he's going to fit. He's going to fit the mold of what. The champion is going to look like it's just a matter of whether he drives it well and and makes some putts or not
2: what sucks about tory is you can for tour golf it is narrow fairways but you can miss wide and you're not punished exponentially for missing wide the corridors leash. yes uh <laughs> the corridors are enormous and that and that's why tiger was always able to succeed here like he could drive it far enough down there where he could hit wedges and stuff out of the rough and hold the greens uh, and it, you know it, it's not a driving contest it's hit it far and that that kind of stinks where Rory's driving accuracy skills kind of even mitigated a little bit in that regard but I do feel the the
4: green they're big they're pretty big greens and it's like greens within greens right so there's different guys are hitting their spots they get good looks at it but if guys are not hitting their spots or they're they're trying to recover they can still get it on the green and I think Like one skill I think that makes sense at Torrey is like good lag putting. You're going to have some long, some long pots, especially if you're trying to recover from, you know, a bad angle or something like that. Not that, not that angles are mattering all that much out here because it's, it's relatively straight. But I do think there's a little bit of, you've got some 50, 60, 70 foot pots out there.
1: Shout out to Dustin, the best lag putter on earth. Yeah,
2: Let's go around and everyone make your pick to not win. Of course, the DJ Pie slash Solly slash Big Randy Memorial. You have to pick a player that is at at or near the top of the favorites list to not win the tournament. And also your pick to win regardless of odds. And I'll kick things off and say, I'm going to pick Bryson to win and I'm going to pick DJ to not win. DJ. I'll I'll lean right into it. What the
1: hell? I'm, I'm probably going to end up with a bullet hole in my forehead here, but uh, I'll go with Bryson to win and Brooks to not win. Oh, yeah. TC? I'm going with Bryson
4: to not win, and I'm going with Victor Hovland to win.
3: Hmm, the- I love that. like that. Neil? Interesting. I've got DJ, uh, not this DJ, but Dustin Johnson
2: not to win, and I'm picking Xander to win this week. Love it. Well, we're going to get to our picks here in a second. Uh, We're going to do two things before we do that. One is we're going to welcome in Big T. Big Uh, T. He is a uh, DraftKings millionaire. This was our idea. We wanted to bring someone on. If you guys haven't been able to tell uh, on the picks, four of the five, uh, I, I don't want to say of us, there's four people Of the five uh, no lying up guys that are in the negative currently and currently currently in the negative at the end of the season,
4: and some of that's due to sanctions and such, it's It's not not
2: due to my actual plays, just sanctions of you actually making you keep your score accurately. Uh, So, we're going to bring in Big T to talk a little bit about how he comes up with picks for fantasy golf, for bets, for outright bets. He won a million dollars at the Players Championship with the his guy Kings made a
1: million dollars. It's a joke. Conclusions.
2: So we thought it'd be. We're obviously just slinging stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks. We thought to talk to an actual Speak guy. For yourself. Does Speak some for kidding. yourself on that. I, I, you guys, I'm speaking for you guys. I'm not speaking for myself at all. But Listen, I
4: almost won a, I almost won a 29 to one last week. How,
2: how'd that pay out? You know, <laughs> how does that pay out?
4: Harrison just shit his pants.
2: Almost, as if you just would almost entered the winning total in your winning column instead of no, like almost,
4: almost won the tournament.
3: We've had so so many foul tips. I I almost misplaced a decimal point in my
2: results. Oh no! But before Disgusting. we do that. I want to tell you guys about the DraftKings Championship Series. So, it's the top live and online competition series. If you're looking to get some kind of skin in the game, uh, we're going to be playing a bunch of these this week. We're not going to go through all of our picks for that. Uh, it's it's com- the 2021 22 seasons comprised of over 100 contests uh, across three DraftKings verticals. It's the daily fantasy sports. There's sports betting and there's casino games. And each of the contests awards cash prizes. We talked about one of the 100 millionaires they're minting, which is Big T. Uh, And it gives you a qualifying ticket to the end of the season tournament of champions. Uh, They got the the championship series season includes fantasy golf, fantasy basketball, fantasy football, fantasy pick'em, sports betting, national championship, and more. It's just extremely interactive, uh, almost, you know, it's a very competitive Neil, how would you describe it? I always struggle to describe it. It's, it's nice to, to have, have
3: some in skin play. in the game. Yes. Like I I kind of wanted to resist the daily fantasy stuff for a while, but I did it during the Masters and I really enjoyed it. It's nice to follow along with, you know, four, five, six guys you pick for your lineup. And, you know, you got to have some value plays in there. TC, I know you love value. And uh, you got to have some horses in there. So, you know, big T, I could use a few pointers from him, So I'm I'm I was excited to talk to him.
1: I would say also the like the uh, the idea of potentially winning a million dollars adds some juice as well. <laughs> for sure, <laughs>
4: I had way too much fun doing it during uh, during the Masters.
2: Like, and so there's three uh, championship series events for the U.S. Open. There's the Fantasy Golf Millionaire, which is a ten dollar entry. It's the most accessible price point. There's the Fantasy Golf Millionaire, the hundred dollar entry, and then the Mega Million Dollar, the four thousand four hundred forty four dollar entry, which. Listen, that's out of my price range, but some of our listeners, that might not be. So head over to the DraftKings Fantasy app. If if that's not for you, the DraftKings Sportsbook has, of course, many options, which we're going to cover once we get back from our interview here with Big T. We brought in the expert this week for the
5: U.S. Open picks. Big T, how are you? I'm excited to come on, and it's a big week of golf. So I think everyone's excited for the U.S. Open, all the best players, some trash talk between a couple of the big names. I'm excited. I'm excited for the weekend to hop on with you guys. So are you are you a a golf specific expert or do
3: you do you branch outside of golf? What's your uh, what's your kind of strategy sport wise?
5: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much play all all the sports. Golf's turned into one of my favorites uh, after some of the big hits. And I've always liked golf anyways, playing golf, following golf. So it's turned into one of my favorites, but definitely not my only area I like. Because we
2: follow golf very, very, very closely, but uh, as has been documented, the rest of these guys can't keep up really on the betting <laughs> front uh, in terms of turning that knowledge into good picks. So we want to learn strategy from you on making picks. You know, both on, I know you're, you kind of do some of the daily fantasy stuff. We don't really do da- the daily fantasy too closely, but a, a lot of the same kind of principles apply, you know, towards picking players and stuff like that. So, What's your system? Is there, a, is there a, if you were to, to, to dumb down advice for amateur golf uh, betters or fantasy players in some way, how would you advise them?
5: I mean, so I am not as much of a numbers guy as other people, which is why a lot of people like the content we, we do at Run Pure because we talk more about field plays. Obviously we use the odds, we use numbers in our own ways, but it's not Super sophisticated. We watch a lot of golf. We watch a lot of sports, and then kind of just go with it. So nothing too complex. I mean, we're, we're I'm a lot like you guys for sure in that aspect.
3: So what about this week, though? Who's who's uh, who's a gut feel? If
5: you had like a top three to five players that you like, so I'm always a, a Bryson guy, which is kind of contrarian, I think, because everyone else is kind of off of him, especially in the top. When you look at all the top guys. He's just where I go to right away. And it's funny because this week, as far as the stud guys at the top, I think it's Brooks and Bryson for me just looking at it. And it's just funny. They've got their little rivalry going where everyone knows about it at this point, but kind of going back and forth. And the course shapes up for them the best, too. I mean, maybe, Rom, you could throw in that bucket, too. But, like, Speeth and DJ, these guys at the top, I don't, I don't like them as much as Bryson and Brooks, so – That's kind of where I like at the top, and then as you go down, I mean, there's some guys that I think stick out a little bit that might not pop for other people. Like Justin Rose has looked pretty good in majors to me. I know he's had really bad form the last, what, year and a a half, but it looks to be turning around, and you can still get him, what, 50 to one or something as far as win odds. I think he sticks off the page a little bit. We've seen him win. In the past, I think he's a sneaky play this week. What's it like
2: winning a million bucks, kind of watching other people play a sport? And what what I'm going for here is you are out of control of the situation. You know, It's not like you're playing in the sport and you can decide if a made putt makes you a million bucks or not. What was that like at the Players' Championship, having that much on the
5: line? It's crazy, too, because I had some really good teams that day, and it came down to Bryson for the most part. And I'm sure you guys remember from watching it, but I I don't know the whole where he chunked the ball. He like totally topped the ball off the tee, somehow made double after he hit it in the woods, his second shot or third shot, I guess, after he takes a drop or whatever happened. But it's you feel helpless for sure, because these guys are the best in the world. Uh, you definitely feel helpless, but it's a fun feeling. One of my buddies, Head Chopper, lost a million on the three-putt from DJ at the U.S. Open, whatever year that was. I'm oh. <laughs> not sure if you guys remember. Yeah, but oh, yeah. DJ yeah, we two that. putts. <laughs> he wins a million bucks. He oh three putts. God. And he only wins like 100K. So it was a 900K swing. Pretty sick. Pretty sick sweats, for sure. Well, it's
3: qu- it crazy it came down to Bryson because I was I was there on Sunday at the players, and he missed a like eight footer on eighteen, and, so and that's, it went in the hole and out too. Yeah, that's yeah, that was, a, and that cost. I remember thinking, like, God, that probably cost him a you know a few hundred k. Uh, but it doesn't sound like it impacted your your winning. Definitely good... hurt
5: me, but obviously when you're in first in the big tournament, I think it ended up costing me like fifty or sixty k. But obviously, with the big hit, you don't notice it as much. You're not allowed to complain about it when, yeah. when you get the big hit in there. But and Westwood hit like a 30 footer on the same hole. Which, yes. So that I didn't have Westwood, so that was a pretty mm-hmm. sick swing. Where where if it wasn't for the millie, it would have hurt a lot more.
2: I was gonna say if you're if you're looking at you know golf plays right, you can make outright bets. You can do top fives, top tens, top twenties, made cuts, missed cuts, all kinds of props. Anything there, the any of those like buckets that sticks out to you most. We're still trying to figure out like where you should be allocating outright winners. You know, I love me some top 20 plays. Some would say I'm dodging the pouch
5: of misery when I do that. But you know what, where where do you net out on all that? For me, all I really do is outrights. I like the matchups. I I usually dabble pretty hard in the matchups, outrights. I don't really do all that much top fives, top tens, top twenties just because I have so much action and other stuff that I start spreading myself too thin if I if I do too much. The only time I'll do those is if I just love a guy that's maybe undervalued and kind of just take them in everything, take them in the matchups, top five, top 10, top 20, kind of maybe go a little bit lower on some of the units and just pound the certain guy. But for the most part, it's just outrights in matchups for me for the most part. And it sounds like you uh, you put all
3: your nuggets in one basket, right? You're, you're, yeah. kinda, you're going on the same guy. <laughs> so it's either a big week or a, a no-good week for you.
5: In all the sports, that's kind of how I am. It's my strength and my weakness, I guess, mm-hmm. during bad week. I mean, like last week, I know everyone kind of struggled, but, man, it was miserable last week coming into the major. Hopefully save some of the run good. But I don't know. I'm not the type of guy that's going to be like, playing like seven of the top 15 guys just to cover all the bases. And I know a lot of people do that and that might work for them, but yeah, I pick a few guys I like. I mean, usually I try to keep my player pool DFS wise to 30 to 40 people in that range, which what's that 20 to 25% of the field, which sounds like a lot, but for 150 teams, I definitely have the least amount of people probably of almost anybody. You play
2: 150 teams a week.
5: Yeah, every because that's the max you can put in these tournaments, and you just run all the different combinations and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's it's not as many as you think though. When one of your key guys misses, and all of a sudden half your teams are gone because Bryson takes a ten hitting an OB or something. Is that yeah. why everyone's tweeting mean things at the players when they miss oh, the cut? Yeah, <laughs> people, that's ridiculous. That's a whole another another topic. But it is. I like when the players have started chirping back at them a little bit though. That makes it fun.
3: What about a young buck? Uh, you know, you said Justin Rose. You know, Bryson Brooks, established guys. You got anybody down in the in the uh, you know in value land that you like? Well, the, and Andrew,
5: the one value guy I love that always comes through for me that probably won't win, but it, it should do well. I think is Har- Harmon. He always comes through. He <laughs> always yeah. plays well. I don't know if he can win a U.S. Open. He might not have the length, but I think he can be in contention. Let me find a young buck down here.
2: He finished runner up in 2017 at Aaron Hills I, to Kepka. I mean, and he was on your team at the players, which is what.
5: He just always plays well. Like I swear that guy is always just in the mix. And he gives you that cut equity where his chances of making the cut. I don't have any numbers to back this up. Again, I'm a field player, but I feel like he always makes the cut. He's always at least in the ball game, which is what you want, right? If yeah. you got a sweat, you at least want a chance on Sunday. Even I if could, he's in 25th or something, at least he gives you a sweat to get something done on Sunday.
2: I can tell you the same way I am, and that if somebody has hit big for you in a certain week, you ride him for like, I'm, I'm still riding Martin Keimer's uh, <laughs> players and players win from 2014. I
5: still love that guy. What I happened to our that. boy Keimer? He fell off the <laughs> map.
2: Or
3: that goes the other way, though, when you really want a guy to perform for you, like Ches Reevy, and you, you ride him and ride him and ride him and he doesn't do anything. And then the week you don't pick him, he, he does something. So
5: Sometimes when you get on the wrong side of the guys and you just keep playing them, it's painful because then you're like, you just feel like you have to keep playing them because there was a reason you played them in the first place. Yeah. And you just don't want to miss that week when it finally happens. I do got a guy I was looking through. I needed to find a guy for you guys. I got a guy, 150. 50 to 1, it looks like right now. Matt Wallace, he, he's always a big, a big yeah. event guy. I think he could win the thing, too. I think he's got a little bit of win equity. If the conditions get even harder, which, I, I mean, they're always going to play hard at the U.S. Open. He, he's just a, he broke my
3: heart at the Masters. I had him to be a top-four Englishman, and he just melted down on the back nine. Yeah, yeah he,
5: he definitely fell apart. He's going to make it up for us this week, though.
3: Yeah. All right. Good. That's you know what? I'm happy you pointed that out because I was looking at him again this week. So that's this is I'm taking notes over here. Big T. I like this.
5: (laughs) Let's
2: play out. We'll get you. we'll get you out of here on this. Of course, is not for me being the leader by far amongst the five of us. I don't I don't really need any of this. But if you're giving betting golf handicapping advice in in simplest terms, how how would you uh, what would your advice be?
5: As far as not picks, just as far as what to do? Yeah, picks or strategy in general. No, in in general, just overall strategy. Yeah, I mean, I would just say everyone loves weeks like this, the U.S. Open. Don't overextend yourself. As a gambler myself, I want to fire at everything. I want to bet a million outrights. I want to bet a million matchups, DFS on top of it. It Just don't overextend yourself because you're excited. I mean, you're always going to like going into the tournament, but you never know how it's going to work out. Pick a few you like, stick with it. If you like a bunch of stuff, just bet lower on each each one and get yourself a ton of action. So as far as that, that would be the advice. And then the winners, I mean, some of the guys I talked about, Bryson at the top, I, I'm going to take him, even though he won it last year. I don't think people like him coming into Tory. They don't think the course shapes up for him or whatever. I don't think he has much course history there, really, from looking at it. But I like him. And then, like I said, the two guys, Justin Rose, pretty sneaky, Matt Wallace I wanted to find like a, another lower guy in there but I don't see anything that I like Matt Jones a little bit too but I don't know if he has any win equity
2: I could see that awesome
3: all right well listen I'm, I'm glad I was on this one because I got a couple of ideas now heading into to you know the the main event when I got to make my picks big team thank you thank <laughs> well, you for having me. you guys
5: make this. your picks I got to tune in and see when you're who you're picking
3: Oh, uh, well, here shortly. Well, the video will be out, what, tomorrow afternoon, Solly? Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, Tuesday. So
5: Nice.
3: Yeah, we got a little bit of time left before we got to, you know, we only get five picks, though. So you're spreading action everywhere. We can't play 150 teams. We got to keep it tight here. I like that, though. That makes it more fun
2: anyways. Get yeah.
5: your five horses and, and ride them into battle.
2: That's wow. right. So thanks for joining us, Big T. Appreciate it. Good luck this week. Thanks for having me. All right, Neil, uh, bringing up the rear here of the four of us. Uh, why don't you uh, take us through your picks? It's
3: well, your- I got a couple of you know tips from uh, Big T, and I were on the same page about a couple of things. So yeah,
2: you know, here it is. This
3: week we're going Xander to win, uh, plus fifteen hundred forty nuggies. Patrick Cantlay, top five, plus four hundred. I feel like this course fits him pretty well. Clearly, he's playing good golf right now, so that's exciting. Home game models off the charts. Max Homa, top twenty, plus two 275, 40 nuggies there. And then we're going with a couple of top English bloke plays. We're going Matt Wallace to finish in the top four of English blokes. That's plus 280 for 40 nuggies. Shout out to Big T for that one. I like that that a lot. And uh, Ian Poulter to finish in the top four English blokes,
2: plus 280, 40 nuggies. There you have it, boys. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just truly, data golf picked, like threw out Ian Poulter as one of the worst course fits for Tory Pines. I just, really? I, Hell yeah! I, I just, I love that pick though. I, I really love well, Bucket
3: if, I feel like he's been playing really good golf the last month, two months. I, I, I feel like I keep seeing him up at the top of the board. So, I mean, to get in the top four, like I feel, I feel you're talking to the it. guy
2: who laughed at Randy's picked to win the PGA or to top forty at the PGA, which was Phil. So, uh, DJ, what do you got?
1: uh well i'm starting you know i already tipped my hand on this one but just just a very simple parlay we are going bryson over brooks i'm sure there will be nothing to regret on that one uh and i'm also going i I got this guy in a couple plays uh solid we got to see him up close at uh colonial a couple weeks ago jason kokrak over harris english uh who you know is potentially flushing it he was flushing it then he stopped flushing it might be flushing it again but uh, Jason Kokrak over, over Harris English, that's plus 231 to parlay those two matchups. Uh, I'll go 40 nuggets there. We're going John Rom to win. I already spoke to that. I know that's that's kind of boring picking the uh, tournament favorite, but hey, you know, they're favorite for a reason. Plus 1050, 45 nuggets on that. Let's circle back, uh, push a couple more chips in on Jason Kokrak, uh, to top 20, uh, plus 188. That's 45 nuggets there. I've got, uh, I you'll love this one. Tony Finau, top four Americans. Mm. Uh, just a completely pointless victory there, but that, that really feels like good stuff. Uh, plus 350. I love that, actually. Top four Americans plus 350. 60 nuggets on that. And then we will do uh, just a, a straight forecast, just because you know it's. I'm, I'm like big T man. I, I I need a I need a really big hit, a, a big dopamine hit. You need big do. I need a big win. Real. I need a real big win. Rom first, Bryson second. Straight forecast plus sixteen thousand five hundred. We'll throw ten little nuggies on that.
3: Sheesh. Why?
1: Why not? Why not? I feel better this week than I usually do. I have a, a little, little exacta for the kid. Just sprinkle it in there. I haven't won a golf bet in like a month. The only bets I've won have been F one, tennis. Shout out to Djokovic. Told you guys, he was big, gonna take big down win off. by Djokovic. He battled his uh,
2: tease off. for Yeah, that win.
1: so I, I'd love to get win some golf bets. Would be fun.
2: TC, I I would ask what do you got cooked up, but we know it's going to be simple and straightforward. You're banned from yeah, parlays and Heinz's
4: kitchens closed. I just have a hot plate and a microwave over here. All my my oven, my stove, my fridge, everything has gone. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, I'm I'm barred from making any sort of parlays, Heinz's, anything like that. So I can't really dip into the matchups too much. Before I get to my plays, I do have a question for you guys. No, no. Nobody's mentioned JT one time. That's a
1: great point. I almost picked him as my guy not to win.
4: Not a super straight driver at the golf ball, but kind of like you said, Sally, like it's, you know, guys are going to spray it either way. It's just a matter of like, he's really,
3: really long, right? There's just so many guys at the top that are like, It's neck and neck up there,
1: you know, flavor of the week thing. He feels like one of the kind of like Rory, right? Like he feels like the guy that absolutely will fit the mold. Like he's the bouncers waving him in. He's one of the, he's one of the 20 guys that can (laughs) compete, but it just, I don't know, man. It just hasn't been there in the majors until it is. It's hard to go with him.
2: I struggle with the guys that are skipping this event every year. Like you, yeah. if that's not the course, you, if he loved Tory and how that played for him, he would be there, but he's played four rounds at Tory Pines. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at with JT. That's
4: fair. That's fair. Just wanted to ask the question, guys. That's
2: fair. You're a journalist.
4: Yeah. yeah Deed, you've never had a problem going with the heavy betting favorite. I'm going to do that this week. John Rahm to win Love that. 50 on that. Uh, I got 50 on big tone or sorry, 20 on big tone big T 100 to win my pick to win it all Victor Hovland plus 2800 got 50 on that and then uh, I'm just gonna burn some money like I normally do on Tommy Fleetwood uh, <laughs> top 20 plus 250 for 40 and uh, big leash top 20 plus 240 for 40 he's he's hitting it well right now just a matter of uh, you know like if he can kind of just do what he does at Tory, which mm-hmm. is
1: TC, it's, it's good thing, it's good thing nice you couldn't do here. matchups actually because i believe it was uh sophie's choice for you Fleetwood versus Jason it was, it was. It's, it's nice to see you back to the basics TC i
3: think we're we're seeing some some perspective from you after your uh you know your issues with the law
1: well we it's just nice. sick six continuous months of employment i think will do you uh, that'll do you really well <laughs> it's a work release program give for
3: you to you some Test. structure yeah it's
2: yeah, got in a cup for us I don't even know how I, I have so much time to make these picks. I usually am so crammed by the end of this show. But TC, I'm going to one up you a little bit on my confidence in Mark Leishman because I'm taking him to top 10, 40 nuggets plus six hundred. Uh, not dissimilar you. to your play that you made during the Masters, which I believe worked out very well for you. Uh, as we've noted, he loves Tory Pines. And I mentioned I'm going to bet on Brooks for like the first time ever in a in a major. Top ten plus one seventy five. I'm moving seventy five nuggets in on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that feels fantastic. Will's Al Torres. We haven't talked about him. He uh, hits it far enough, I think, to contend at Tory and a top five for him plays plus eight hundred. So thirty five nuggets on that one. A uh, little another winner that we haven't really talked about uh, much in this show so far. Twenty nuggets on Colin Morikawa plus twenty five
4: fifty. I was waiting to see if somebody was going to bring him up.
2: Yeah. You know he like, so something crazy. like fourteen of the eighteen greens favor a fade coming into it, and that guy fades it better than anyone. Well, just saying. Uh, new, and then new lastly, golf
1: shops to check out, maybe find a new putter, Carl's Golf Land or, or something like that down in Southern California.
4: Discount Dan's, you can buy it online.
2: <laughs> and then lastly, of course, <laughs> thirty nuggets plus fifteen hundred on Bryson to win the United States Open Championship in back-to-back years. It would be sick if you know Brooks won back to back, and now if Bryson had back to back, that'd be be pretty interesting. So, all right, let's throw it over first. We're gonna get Big Randy's picks in, um, and I believe he's got a debt to pay, a pouch of misery to pay. One of
3: three, right? One yeah. of one of three, yes. So. If you're
2: listening to this on the podcast uh, after Big Randy, you will hear uh, an interview we did with Akshay Bhatia, who has qualified for the U.S. Open uh, as a 19 year old, and we chatted We had he was on the pod a couple years ago. Good to talk with him again to kind of see how the uh, last couple of years have gone for him and and uh, what he's learned in pro golf. So look forward to watching him compete this week. Uh, and Otherwise, everyone enjoy a tremendous major week. We'll be doing live shows after every round, uh, as we usually do, and uh, those will be up on the podcast feed. You can watch them on YouTube. You can watch them live on Twitter as well. And uh, I think that covers everything. Guys, so.
4: one last question. Make or miss cut for Philip Alfred Nicholson?
2: Ooh. Miss. I think miss.
1: I'll, I'll say make. What the hell? I think he's gonna miss, but I'll say make for variety's sake. I was,
2: I'm saying miss too. So I'm just, it'll that'll balance out my pick. You know when I said he was gonna top forty at Kiowa. So all right, big Randy, pay your debt, and then Akshay. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Hey guys, Randy here. Let's get right into him. Two hundred nuggies. Uh, if I said I liked any of them, I'd be lying. But we'll fire away uh, just the same. First parlay. All right, three matchups. Phil over Rose, can't lay over now DJ over Rom. 50 Nuggies plus 729 on that parlay. A couple nationality plays. You know I'm a sucker for those. Garrick Higo, top South African, plus 350, 25 nuggies. And then Matthew Fitzpatrick, top four, Britain and Ireland, plus 130, 25 nuggies there. Is it pouch dodging? Hell no, it's not pouch dodging. Okay, I'm, I'm living in it, all right? I'm not dodging anything. Two winner plays to round things out. Rory, plus 2,000. If they're gonna give me, you know, 20 to one odds, I'm taking them every time. 50 nuggies. Is he dead? Yeah, he's dead, all right? But one of these days, a seance is gonna be performed and he's gonna rise. And uh, I feel like it could be Tori. Maybe some Tiger vibes, who knows? Other one, Colin Morikawa, plus 2,500, 50 Nuggies there. He's won one major in California already. I think he could make it too. Exquisite iron player, whiffs of a home game. Uh, You never know. But a couple of premier ball strikers, especially when they're on. So we'll see.
2: All right. And lastly, here is our interview with Akshay Bhatia. So we last chatted with you shortly after you turned pro in the fall of 2019. That was about 21 months ago. What's uh what's changed with you in life in the um, in uh, almost 2 years since we spoke? A lot of things.
6: Uh got my driver's license, played <laughs> more tour events, built more relationships, figured out a lot of things about myself and what I need around me and who I need around me. So it's been uh it's been a wild year after the last time I talked to you guys.
2: That's a lot right there. What's, uh, what, are, what are some of those things that you, that you learned that you needed to have around you and things like that? What are, what's something you would tell 17-year-old Akshay uh, today if you could?
6: Yeah, so once the shutdown happened, obviously with COVID, that was a, a really big blessing in disguise because uh, I got to kind of reflect on everything that I've done, realize that I was still the number one junior player in the world, had a really good resume and kind of found the belief again that I could compete with the guys out on tour. But I worked really hard during that two, three month span with my coach, Chase Duncan, at home every day. We had a really good plan, very organized. And I kind of figured out that I don't really need a a tour caddy. And so my best friend who played a little bit of golf, that's kind of how we met growing up. I was like, hey, come caddy for me in PGA Tour Canada because I got status out there for that season it got canceled but he's like all right yeah that sounds sick like I get to travel to Canada I get to be with my best friend it was I mean it's crazy how much both of us have grown uh, as far as communicating and him understanding more about golf him being very organized with my notes and kind of our process and how we get stuff done so that was a really big key, I think, just being more comfortable with someone my age and having fun and definitely been more organized with my practice. And when I get to tour events, figuring out little little things, whether it's hitting on the left or right side of the range or going to hit more tee shots on this hole or understanding, okay, I have an uncomfortable shadow here. So let's go figure out how to, how can I overcome that when the tournament day begins or if I ever have that. So there's so many things that I've learned that, would I've never thought have made such a big deal in my progression?
2: Hmm. That is very interesting. Would you? Is it fair to say, kind of reading between the lines there, that these are all things that you were going to have to learn at some point in your career, and doing them at a younger age, the whole skipping college process—you know—you're kind of getting a jump start on all these things that you could only learn by going through them. Is that kind of what you're getting at in in that process?
6: Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if I would learn this much being in college because my coach is so such a perfectionist and that's how I am. Like, I want to be perfect. And obviously everyone, everyone wants to play perfect round of golf and have perfect shots, but there's so many things that he's discovered. And a big thing that we always talk about is self-discovery. And like, I've just been able to figure it out on my own, being alone, being a professional golfer, not having a team around me or you know my college coach around me that was such a big part of just self discovering so many of these little little things that have definitely thought i probably was going to learn but maybe not this fast in a year span
2: so t- let's go to the US Open here we're g- we're going to be preparing for Tory this is the interview is going to come out during the week of Tory Pines Going into sectionals, what, what would you put your chances at going it, you know, for qualifying? I'm trying to kind of help the listeners understand the mountain that, you know, all players of, of your caliber even have to climb to get into this tournament.
6: Yeah, it is a grind because you can play a really solid round of golf the first round. And we didn't even know what, how many people were going to get in the first 18. They were like, yeah, we'll tell you after the after the first 18 we're like oh wow like (laughs) so how how do we know how we need to play or if we need to play aggressive or not but the day before i played the palmetto monday and i got i was seven under i was playing well and i got really really sick all of a sudden like food poisoning kind of feeling dehydrated and i threw up and it was just terrible i didn't have any energy didn't even want to finish the qualifier even though i was in contention to make it and I ended up playing 20 holes that day so that was a long day didn't finish till eight and I didn't even know if I was going to tee it up on Monday for the sectionals but it's a grueling day after we finished our first round we only had nine minutes until our second tee time so I didn't even I didn't even get to change or do NormaTech or eat I just we went straight back to the tee and it just takes so much out of you but I was playing well enough and I had a lot of confidence going into sectionals that I knew I was, I had a good chance if I just had a solid start. And that was, that was huge to have the low round of that on that golf course.
2: I was going to say that the the scores were not low at all at long Cove. I mean, there was, you know, a handful of guys, seven guys shot four under or better, but no one else shot better than two under par. And so, uh, I mean, what what did that feel like after the end of a crazy long day like that to, to qualify for your first major championship?
6: It was, I was speechless. I was with my girlfriend, my agent, my caddy, and it was just like, we did it because I've been through this last two, three months. I've missed cuts by one. I've missed Mondays by one. I've done all these things. I've missed it by one shot, one shot, one shot. And it's like, man, when's that that feeling going to happen where I get over that hump and I'm going to make it by one or I'm going to win this qualifier? And the day before, I missed out playing in another tour event in a playoff by one so it's like it's just so hard pro golf is because so many guys are so good and it was just satisfaction that I, I did it and at 19 especially playing against you know it was a really good field with a bunch of tour players and really good college players it was just a great feeling knowing that I played the best rounds out of everyone there and I really grinded it out and had the mental toughness to do it. So,
2: well, how how seasoned do you feel in qualifiers now? And I'm kind of wondering if you could speak to your experience in qualifiers of all kinds over the years. You know, the past several years, even before you turned professional. I feel like. I was seeing your name pop up on Corn Ferry Monday qualifiers, you know, like, I feel like you've just always had this, I have clubs, we'll travel to wherever I can try to play mentality for a long time, and yeah, this qualifying for the US Open felt like a big payoff of all of the qualifying experience you've had all over the country the last several years, is that fair to say?
6: Yeah, yeah, that, I qualified for my COBA this season, which was amazing, because you travel all that way to play a one-day qualifier, so... I mean, I feel, I know what it takes now. And I was telling my coach, because after Safeway this season, you know, I played well and then I got into the next week and I knew I belonged on the PGA Tour. So I just didn't take these qualifiers as seriously as I needed to. And I was so disappointed in myself that, not that I wasted half the season on these qualifiers because those are really, really important now um, to get the special temporary membership. But i just realized that just keeping the same process every single tournament, whether it's a mini tour event or a Monday or a PGA tour event, it's the same process practicing leading up to that event. Like I need to do my homework and not just try and show up and hopefully shoot seven under. But yeah, I mean, I've played them for, since I was like, I don't even know, 12, 13. So it's, six seven years i've been playing qualifiers and it's just so satisfying when you earn yourself a spot into any event whether it's corn furry pga tour the us open is it harder to monday in or qualify for an event
2: or be exempt for an event than it is to finish like even 20th in a pga tour event i feel like if you were in a bunch of tournaments, you would have a a whole season that you would be quite proud of at the end of the at the end of the year, yet it's just so freaking hard to get into these events. Is that fair?
6: Yeah, for sure. Cause for me, I I've gotten a taste of playing in PJ Tour events. And when you're at Mondays, you're like, wow, this is like <laughs> this sucks. You're not playing pure golf courses. You don't get your own Callaway golf balls or Titleist or whatever. It is tough though, because it's a one day shootout and anyone could go out and shoot seven, eight under and you could shoot a really good round of golf. You know, I've shot 4 or 5 under a lot and it's a solid round of golf on the PJ Tour and then you're missing out and going home. So it is it's definitely a lot tougher. It takes a lot of uh takes a lot of mental toughness to get over those because finishing 20th is it's a solid week on tour and missing out by one qual- one shot in a qualifier really really blows because you played a good round of golf and it's just one guy beat you.
2: Well, going back to Tori, what are your what are your expectations? I mean, what's your experience there, and how does that how does that course suit your game, and what will your preparation look like?
6: So I've never played. Is it the South Course that we're? Pl- I don't know. It is the South
2: Course. Yeah. Okay. So the Farmers <laughs> is split over the North and South yeah. on the uh, during the uh, that event on the first two days, but this is all South and it's the harder one, and it's going to play different than it does how we see it on TV every year, I assume too. So it's yeah, it's all. It could be a good thing that you haven't played it any other any other uh, time periods.
6: Yeah, so I've played the the North Course for a, a pro am, uh, and this was right before I went to Saudi Arabia with Phil. So I was just kind of waiting around in San Diego until he was done with at Farmers. I've never played it. Expectations, I mean, like I said, it's just keep going and taking it how I would any other golf tournament because it's just another for me. It's another start on the PJ Tour, another opportunity I get to play and. Earn more FedEx Cup points and hopefully try and get that temporary membership. But it's going to be great. I'm going to be able to play with with Phil, and he's obviously played there so many times. So it's going to be great getting his knowledge and picking his brain on what I need to expect about the golf course and if anything kind of changes there. So,
2: well, tell us about that relationship. And it sounds like you, so is it, you already have a practice round booked with Phil for for uh, Tori.
6: Yeah, he uh, he texted me after I qualified. And he said, let's, you know, congrats or whatever, let's play uh, when you get into town. So the relationship's been unbelievable. He's been such a big role model. He's been a big brother to me. And he has treated me like just another guy on tour, if anything, a little better. And the relationship just keeps growing. I get to play with him every week. He's out there and I'm out there. So I'm very honored and blessed to. Be friends with the PGA champion this year. <laughs> Is it wild? I mean,
2: you you've played practice runs with him, and from what I've read, you, it sounds like you've taken some money off of him. Is it crazy <laughs> to think about him winning the PGA? Like, you know, does that does that help you at all with confidence, knowing you can beat guys, and in the same year they can turn around and win majors? I don't
6: know. I mean, it's so any, different. I know. Yeah, <laughs> and anyone could play well any week. But I played with Phil in a practice run at Wells Fargo. I think that was probably two or three weeks before the PGA and his game looked so solid. Like he figured out something and especially off the tee, because I know when I played practice run with him, he struggled with that. And obviously through his career, he struggled with that, but he, he just had this different look to him. Like he was able to hit all the shots again. And I didn't think he was going to win the PGA. Like he's, you know, anything could happen, but just to see him succeed was the happiest moment this year for me. Well, tell
2: me about uh, riding on his plane over to over to Saudi Arabia. What were the what were the stories being told on that flight?
6: Ah, <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of stories. I asked him, you know, what the greatest shots he's ever hit, uh, kind of his practice, and it was funny because I was it was me, our agent Steve Loy, who's you know the CEO of the golf side of the, of the company sports five. And the first flight over, I got kind of like the, the four seater, the big mass, or I guess like the King size bed. And <laughs> we call it Steve Lloyd, who we call coach. He wasn't too happy with me getting the, the big bed uh, on that plane. So on the second flight, I got the small one, but it, I mean, it was amazing. I was—I think it was right before my birthday, so I was seventeen. It was—it was, it was just a cool trip, and to spend t- more time with him, and uh, more of like a personal environment was uh, it was really cool because he's just another normal guy that uh, you know, just fun to hang out with.
2: Hmm. We may have covered some of this already, but uh, I kind of wanted to just ask you about uh, how to how to just for your opinion on, on weighing in on how you balance analyzing results, uh, so far that you've had, but also understanding the process that you're putting in place to, you know, to one day achieve the best results. And and I'm wondering if that makes sense at at all. And I'm wondering just basically, how do you balance short and long-term goals?
6: Uh, I don't really necessarily do goals. I never have. And for me, it's, you know, I go, I go through every week with my coach and my caddy, And we just reflect on every shot I hit, you know, what I was feeling. Because most of the time for me, it's like my game is normally really well rounded. Everything's kind of really solid, but it's more the mental part for me or like feels, which is something I'm still learning. Like in the U.S. Open qualifier, the second round, it was really humid. And all of a sudden my grip felt really weak but I didn't want to change it mid round so I was trying to figure out like that's something we try and figure out for next week so okay I have this feel now but everyone kind of reflects on results and I do I'm a big you know I if I miss a cup I one I'm like man that sucks that sucks blah 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 but I played solid and for me I just got to make sure I keep my head on the right direction and just kind of understand more and more things and small things and self-discover. What's been the highlight of your pro career so far? Uh, Safeway was amazing. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I've missed the cut three weeks before, four weeks before at the Wyndham and just to finish top 10 and, you know, get started in the right direction after all the missed cuts I had was huge. That was great. Obviously the achievement of qualifying for my first major was is amazing. I can't wait. I don't know what to expect. And I've always wanted to play Tory Pines, so I get to check that off my bucket list.
2: All right. So if we're looking at, you know, these results you're talking about and, and everything to date, what what do you need to improve on? You you've seen the best level, you know, the highest level of pro golf up close in, in plenty of tour events at this point. What is separating you from being one of the regulars out there?
6: So, it's kind of a different story every week. American Express I was tinkering with putters on Wednesday, and that was very stupid of me. I also had some course management errors, but uh the biggest thing that my coach and I have really figured out is like my posture can improve, and Wells Fargo, I did an unbelievable job, even though I didn't get the result I wanted. I did an unbelievable job of like. Feeling comfortable, not thinking about the cut. I actually, every time I play around a round of golf now, I write with a sharpie on my wrist, I write fight because that triggers something in my head to, okay, I stand tall, I have my shoulders back, and I'm just, it's kind of like a tunnel vision feeling. So that's the biggest thing that I need to keep going. And it takes a lot of energy out of you because it's hard to do every single week, especially if you're not playing well. You got to still try and do it. So, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the biggest thing I really need to do.
2: It does. Is is being confident something you have to learn, right? I mean, I feel like you have to at the same time be humble, yet you know, and not unrealistic about your expectations. Yet you have to be very confident that you're going to hit a great shot every time. Is that something you've learned at all?
6: Yes and no. It's more trusting your your process and your beliefs, understanding that what you're doing is right. And if it doesn't feel right, then you got to figure out how to make it feel good and comfortable and knowing you can execute when you need to. Uh, Cause everyone's obviously going to hit bad shots and you can have a ton of confidence over the ball and hit a bad shot. So it's not having confidence. It's more just having the belief.
2: Well, how does your, your coaching set up, you know, you're, you famously work with George Gankis, but you're also coached by, I believe it's Chase Duncan. How does the, how does the relationship work between the two coaches?
6: Yeah. So I'm not really working with George as much now. He's still okay. obviously my best friend. So it's more Chase and I have, he's really helped me and he's been a father figure to me for the last more so two years, um, especially after the pandemic. It was just me and him working one on one every single day, him taking time out of his, you know, his weeks to come travel with me on the PGA tour, which is very tough because he has a family and he sacrifices a lot. But I still talk to George. He's the man. But Chase is, uh, Chase is my coach now.
2: Feels like George's la speed or whatever he's he's helped you with, you know, kind of sticks with you forever. Whereas maybe are you are you getting maybe more technical uh, and specific with with Chase? Is that a, a good understanding of the relationships?
6: Yeah, tech. Uh, I would say with Chase, it's more he he understands. Like he's been around me so many times now that he understands like what I'm feeling even before I'm hitting a golf shot. So most of the time we do encore stuff because. My swing normally is technically really, really solid. Uh, And it's just working on different shots and perfecting certain shots. But man, he just has this eye when he watches me that he can tell like with different shafts. Like I remember we were, I was testing a few different shafts with my driver and he could tell like this driver shaft looked a little weaker, even though it's technically supposed to be the same stiffness. And he could tell like, it was going to draw more and it was ended up starting to draw more. And he's like, man, I could just see it. So there's just small stuff like that, that Chase is more, I guess, more perfected in that area. And it sounds like it's just more, way more personal,
2: right? Yeah. George is crazy busy and, and you know, you probably need someone a little closer to you at uh, more frequent hours of the day. So that, that all makes sense. So for for people that are unfamiliar with your status and what your what your current plans are, take us through like all your hypotheticals for the remainder of the year, right? You're 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 trying to earn enough FedEx Cup points to get special temporary membership. How far away are you from that? If that doesn't go through, what are your plans for Q schools in the fall and all that? So take us to to what the rest of this year may look like.
6: Yeah, so I think I've made like a hundred and three or a hundred and four FedEx Cup points, which is uh, right now in the. If I can finish between the top I think it's one fifty and two hundred category or one thirty five and one two hundred category, that gets me in the Corn Ferry finals, which you know, I think it's like three events. I could get my tour card if I finish top twenty five in those three events. And if not, then I get ferry status. So that's great. Just having you know, I still gotta be a little more comfortable with that number. Obviously play well in my my next few events and earn more Cup points to where I'm secured in that situation. But I don't really know how many points I need to get the temporary membership. All I know is I need to play well (laughs) to do it. But so, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Corn Fairy Finals is not too far away. So I just got to keep plugging away, keep trying to Monday in and get as many starts as I can these next, you know, few months and hopefully be on the right track for for next season. Would you say you're satisfied with the progress you've made so far in your pro career? Yes and no. I've played better, obviously, I've learned a lot more, and I'm swinging a lot better, but I just wish I would learn these things before the event, not after the event, (laughs) which is really hard, to obviously, to do because hypotheticals are annoying, but I just wish I could learn different things, like reflect on it before and be like, oh yeah, okay, I just need to do this and then play well.
2: well what's a if we uh let's i'll try our best to not make it go 21 more months before you're back on but if we're 21 more months from now if we're speaking where would you like to be what's a what's a realistic goal for where you'd like to be you know almost two years from now
6: uh definitely have my pj tour card i think by that time i'll i'll be pretty developed in you know my golf swing hopefully i'll be a little bigger which is a big goal of mine for The end of the year is to get in the gym and go really hard and try and gain, you know, 10 pounds would be great because I could go from 75 to 80 ball speed. And that's a huge difference out on tour. So definitely have my tour card, obviously, and be a little bigger and stronger. Love it.
2: Well, can't wait to follow, man. Best of luck at Tory Pines. We're excited to watch and uh, and maybe even hear a little debrief from you on the back end of it. But best of luck and uh, go show out, and uh, we'll be excited to follow. Thanks for joining the pod.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's the best.
2: Cheers.
5: Be the right club. Be
0: the right club today. Johnny, yes. yeah. that's better than most. How about in?
1: That is better than most. Better than most!